Hello, legends. Welcome to today's show. Catching up with Cub, as always, brought to you by Cub, the Club United Business, Australia's number one members club connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. And today, we're catching up with Cub member Chris Christoffi, the founder and CEO of Reventon. Reventon has helped over 3,000 Australians build their wealth. He manages over $700 million and they're a multi-award winning firm with over a billion in sales. Uh, Chris wasn't always in a great position. In fact, he started his entrepreneurial journey in a tremendous amount of debt. And he's shared with us an incredible story of how he's ended up where he is today and how he's done it with a great mindset, with a winning mindset. It was a fantastic conversation. Enjoy the show. I'm sitting here with one of the most extreme human beings I know, Mr. Chris Christoffi. Hello, sir. Uh, Daniel, thanks for having me, mate. No, that's, uh, that's all right. You, you've got your own podcast. I do, and I've had a few great guests. The one under Daniel Hakim, you feature, I think it was episode four or five, oh, season one. So you've one. had the highest caliber of guests on your we podcast. We sure have. <laughs> We've had some amazing caliber guests like yourself. We've had the CEO of uh, Glenville. We've had a, a, a multiple uh, range of world champions. Sam Greco just featured a four-time world champion, Sam Solomon. World champion in what? He's a three-time world heavyweight kickboxing champion, plus he's a bare-knuckle champion. We've had Sam the King Solomon, who's a three-time boxing champion. Barish Nessif, who's a three-time kickboxing champion. Uh, they, 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 they all sound great, but none sound as good as the first one. That Daniel Akim guy, he sounds a, like a legend. But He's and, very good. He's cool, and I learned a lot from him, and um, we're lucky to be sitting in Cub at the moment doing our own podcast. And so is it weird to be in the uh, uh, guest seat? Because I know it was, it was uh, different for me when I, when I do it. Uh, to be honest, I always see it as just having a conversation, and I enjoy it, and um, – if there's anything that I can learn from my guest or any value that I can give, I'm always having fun. So not really. End of the day, it's just a conversation, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 100%. But, uh, and like I said, you're, one of, you're a really interesting person you are. You're one of the most extreme people I know. You're one of the most generous people I know. You're, you're uh, incredibly successful. I mean, uh, Reventon is your company. And how would you describe Reventon? Like, is it a financial advisory and, more, and mortgage broking business? Um, or what, what, what is it? Well, we're a complete financial solution. Financial progress is one of our slogans. So we're a fully integrated financial services company. There's 12 businesses now. We've just launched our 13, but we offer five key services. Basically, we sell investment real estate. We give advice around that. We do residential lending. So we help them with their loans. We do property management. We do accounting and financial planning. Because purchasing a property, you need to get good sound advice, but you need to have a group of professionals around you making sure that you're um, crossing your T's, dotting your I's, you're doing your right research, you're getting the right forms in place, your 1515, your tax variation forms, just to mention a few, you're doing your inspections, you're buying in the right area. There's such an array of things when it comes to investing and we want to simplify a complicated process because purchasing property, the first property buy always say is the most important because the stepping stone to your second and third. Understanding not over leveraging because early on in my career, before I started Reventon, I understood over leveraging very, very well because I owned eight properties and I lost them all. And that's when I started Reventon when I was just working for someone else. So I understand the concept of um, over leveraging very well because I, I was a victim of doing that myself. But so so your company is financial services, but primarily around um, building assets through property. 
That's the focus. That's that's the core of what we started. But now we've got a financial planning company called CHE Planning Solutions. Very proud to say it's an award-winning company, as with most of our other firms are too. And we're just about to launch a company called Reventon Private, which is the top 1%, which people have to have over $2.5 million in net assets and over half a million worth of income. So we go from all the way from helping people with their money management all the way to the top end. So we're, we're a full-fledged financial services company. Amazing. And how long ago did you start it? 21st of March, 2005. How many is that? So 16, years in, 16, 16 years. years in the next week or so. And, and how, what's, because, I mean, the company's obviously got quite large. You, you've helped over 3,000 Australians. I'm reading off the sheet here, people. I didn't remember this. 3,000 Australians. You've got over 700 million in, in under management uh, and you've transacted uh, over a billion dollars in sales. Is that correct? That's quite old. It's actually quite a bit more than that now, but yeah. Oh, okay. And, and was it a smooth journey from starting to the end? Oh, sorry, I just find that hilarious. <laughs> it's, like, it's definitely a smooth journey. And yes, Every day is a smooth journey. Smooth journey. You know what? It hasn't been a smooth journey, but it's been fun. And um, <clears throat> ever since I was young, I love the harder the journey is, the more challenging it is, the more up for it I'm going to be because I know that that's where the most growth is going to appear. So if, if, the, if the task seems impossible, if building a business is tough, that's when you need to show up. So, um, um, yeah. You know what I love about you? I always, tell, I always tell people this story that when COVID first hit, I was at, my, I was at home and you called me <laughs> and I'm like, you're all happy and chirpy. <laughs> what the fuck's wrong with this guy? And I get asked that all the time, yeah. by the way. <laughs> and this is like real in the depths of COVID. This was probably just before I fled the city. But- but um, I go, well, what are you doing? And you said, oh, I've lost, I won't say the amount, but I've lost X amount of thing. I've lost this, I lost that. And I go, why you sound so happy? He goes, and you go, I fucking love this shit. This is what I live for. This, these are the problems that I like to solve. These are the situations and positions I like to be in. <laughs> I cheated me up. I was like, yeah, me too. That's right. And I was just thinking that's the, that mindset is probably the most important thing a business owner can have and you just have uh, this ridiculous mindset and one thing I've noticed being around um, some of the most successful people in the country uh, very often is that all the hyper successful ones have pretty much the same mindset and that is almost like in it, it's almost like an over ownership of of the world it's it's not that they never complain about um, they never, I guess, how do I put it? They never, they, energy, no, they never blame something else for their either failure or inability to accomplish what they thought that they wanted to accomplish. So it's never like, oh, the world's prevented me from doing it. Oh, that, I couldn't do this because of that. It's always, no, they're almost opposite. They almost take ownership. They're like, no, there's no God. I, I did this control. for myself. I, I, you know, I, I had over, over ownership. I made sure it happened. You bring that up. I can't control COVID. I can't control a lot of circumstances. What I can control is how I respond. So when COVID hit and I called an executive meeting, I said to my team, all right, guys, there's a couple of things. We, we've got two options here. Number one, we can lay down and accept this and actually scale back. Or number two, we can take ownership and really put 120% our best foot forward and grow because a lot of people are going to pull back here. So I think now's the time to attack and really go forward. But I can only do that if you all agree with me and you're on the same page. Are we all, all ready to go forward? And they all said yes. And I said, good, because if you said no, it would have killed me. If you said pull back and pay defensive, that's not in my nature. So when COVID happened, I remembered someone goes to me, what, what do you think of COVID? I said, I've been preparing for COVID for five years. 
So I've been setting up different businesses that have um, recurring income, setting up di- different streams where it can make my business go through tough times like COVID. Having trail income through finance, accounting, financial planning will allow me to weather the storm because things aren't always going to be smooth. And being in business for 16 years, I've, we've seen GFCs, we've seen elections, we've seen markets go up, markets go down. I've been able to navigate through all of them because I'm, I'm realistic that markets aren't always going to be great. When markets are tough, when you go towards chaos, there's always going to be opportunity. So when everyone was freaking out during COVID and getting nervous, I was preparing. So I always use the analogy of um, when you build a building, it takes a long time to be in the foundation. You can't see the building because you're, you're putting all your work. I was putting all my work during last year, during COVID, we put on 18 new people. We expanded because I was getting ready for what's about to happen. You've seen some of the biggest property booms. Now you're seeing companies really aggressively move forward. I was preparing for that last year. And I said to people, the right time to prepare for a pandemic is when there is no pandemic, not when things are at the 11th hour. So yeah, I've been through stuff like this before, not a pandemic, but I welcome the challenge well, because I'm going to become a lot better. Yeah, and that's interesting. That I mean, you you've been in business 16 years with Reventon, and so you've been through a few um, uh, different crises and, and things. Whereas for me, actually, this was the first time I had navigated um, uh, a, a recession or any sort of crisis with carbon. What I think that um, it did for me, and, and probably for a, a lot of the listeners, is that it was kind of like I was learning how to drive the bus through. Uh, uh, through difficult terrain, you know, and I, I learned how uh, the cub bus, the, the cub vehicle uh, was able to manage that terrain and, uh, and, and manage the downswing, manage the upswing and, and understanding how to kind of lead your ship, yep. you know, through these times is a great asset because when you survive that, you're kind of like, okay, well, I know how to su- survive these times now. I'm not so worried about the, the next time this happens because uh, I survived the first time. I'm better suited now to survive the next. And then after that one, I'll even be better suited to survive, which is basically kind of the situation now you're in. You get stronger and you get more yeah. adapted to it, which is what you said. You don't, issues are never going to go away. In my experience as a business owner, issues were never going to go away. People are going to keep throwing stones at you. They're going to get bigger, but you're also going to get stronger and you become more adept. And if you have the right mindset that you know that you're going to have to roll up your sleeves and do the hard work, you'll be fine. And for people that haven't gone through those circumstances before, my advice is, Speak to someone that has navigated through these times before, that has seen a GFC, that has seen a tough market, because these people have the answers to assist you. So I've got business uh, mentors, I've got coaches that I lean on that help me, and um, they're going to have answers for you. And one thing's for sure, no one's going to do the hard work for you, you need to do it yourself. But if you're excited every morning to, to, to rock up to your work and sh- show, be present as a leader, you need to lead your ship confidently. And I, I would walk out, um, you know, as funny as it sounds, with my chest out, confident, walk into the office. I own that place. I understand that we're going to get through this. And my whole team was the same. But I told them one thing. I made no disillusion. This is going to be super tough. This is when I'm going to see. I said, I'm putting everyone in this office on notice. I'm putting myself on notice. I want to see what you're made of. I want to see who shows up. I don't want to see anyone quit. I don't care if you're down. Make sure you show up tomorrow. That's what I said to everyone. And I'm going to lead by example. I'll be here every single day. The harder it is. I'll get here earlier. And I have an amazing team. I couldn't get through it without them. And we're not through. I think there's still going to be a lot of challenges ahead of us, but we're going to grow a lot out of this. So I'm excited. And would you say your mindset is your biggest strength? Uh, without a shadow of a doubt, I bet everything of 
every fiber of my being. Your mindset's everything. Mm. You can't control what's I external. You can only control what's within. So for me, if it's hard and impossible and they say, Christophe is going to fail here, I'm 100% pass, but I'm going to show up the next day and the next day and the next day. So it excites me to hear that because that's when you really test someone's mettle, mm. when things are tough, not when things are easy. When the markets are going up and everyone's making money, that's everyone's high-fiving and it's all good, everyone's doing well. What and, about when the markets are tough? Yeah, and, and that's that's kind of um, what I enjoyed about the difficulty of it. I felt like it was kind of my time to shine. It was like, yes, like this is a real tough situation and, you know, sad to say, but, you know, there's going to be a lot of difficult – business owners are going to be having a difficult time right now. Uh, and I was like – Fuck, I'm going to Do you I'm have a mantra, Daniel? A mantra? Yeah. Just win. Because I have one, and that's actually one of them every morning when I get up. And in a challenging situation, I say two things to myself. Let's go, because I always have the fighter's mentality, or it's my time to shine. Every morning when I step in, 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 I'll say one of those two things. If there's a challenge, I always say, that's why I laughed when you said that. So I have an internal mantra that if things are very, very tough, and I used to say that when I used to fight, just before the bell would ring, I'd say, let's go to myself, and off I'd go. No, I, I I love it. I I just thought the challenge was was the fun part. It was almost like it was. It's weird because business is kind of like a game to me sometimes. In that it's like the game that I love to play the most. I'm addicted to it, and I do it all the time. And it's like I had gotten to a level. It's a really difficult level, but if I pass this level, I'm in like a new thing. And and that excitement of like, okay, let's solve this problem. And like you said, like you came in, you told your team. Um, yeah, guys, look, we're, we're going to get through this, um, but it's not going to be easy. I had that exact same conversation uh, with the team. Do you remember, Laura? I even said, uh, it's going to suck. <laughs> I, I remember said, you told it's me gonna that. It's going to suck. It's not going to be It's not gonna be easy, but we're going to end. Uh, we're all going to still be here, and we're going to be stronger than we were at the start. And there's everyone, optimism, but you're also realistic. So I remember you said that conversation to me because, I mean, we're not silly. We've got to understand that it's going to be tough. We've got to identify that, and we've got to support each other. And I know you ha you have a great team. You've done great things. Obviously, that's why you're here. But everything begins and falls with leadership, which means obviously you led your team well, but you've also got a great team. It goes hand in hand. Hundred percent. And, and having that sense of confidence as the as the leader that you that you mentioned, that's incredibly uh, important because, like, when members join Cup, they often say, "I can't." You know, I, I ask them, "Why are you joining?" I want to meet other uh, people in my position, other uh, successful entrepreneurs. Uh, I can't speak to my um, family because I don't want to stress them out. I, can't, I, I don't speak to my friends because they're, they're, they may be in a different situation to me. They can't relate to, to me in terms of business. I can't speak to my staff because I don't want them to think I'm not confident. And so I'm looking for a group of people. So that confidence play is so important. And because when your team can see that you're not in a good state – they feel that. It reflects. It's it like does, a mirror. Yeah, I, 100%. It, you it's even, energy. I'm, I'm, I, I'm even uh, willing to go as far enough to say that if you're not feeling great, just don't go into the office. Work from home because you don't want your team to feed off that, to energy. Feed off that energy. Having yeah. a confident leader is a, is a great thing for a team. And when they saw, like I'm sure for yourself and myself, when I was saying that speech, I was fully confident we we're getting through it. I, there was not a doubt, doubt in my mind. It wasn't a false confidence. It, was, it wasn't fake. It was real. I was certain I was going to solve this problem. That's the difference. It's a commitment yeah. as a leader. But um, energy, your team feels the energy. Mm. Now, being fearless, I think, doesn't mean you're not scared. It means you're going to show up and fight, and it means you're not going to quit. Mm. That's what I call. So when I say I'm fearless, am I scared? A lot of the times, but I'll tell you one thing, that's exciting. Mm. Because you show up and you fight every day and you bring your team along with you. 
and it's it's your commitment to excellence. And you also mentioned levels. I think business or anything that you do, and I brought this up in my podcast also, everything's levels. State champion, national champion, world champion, multiple world champion. Business is the same. Video games is the same. Everything's leveled. And to get to the next level, you need better skills. You need to be more patient, more strategic. More practice and experience. Practice, competence breeds confidence. Confidence can overcome everything. <laughs> that is a really cool way of putting it. Everything has levels. And in business, every really every level is an adversity that you overcome. So How every adversity you overcome, yeah. it's the best fun. Yeah. And, and, um, and yeah, it is – people do get – it's not bad to feel the fear or to feel the nerves. I, in fact, I was talking to um, my little nephew – like a month ago, and he was, I was sitting there at the park with him, sitting on a rock, and, and he asked me to go for a walk. So I went for a walk with him away from like the family, it was a barbecue. And I was sitting on a rock, and I'm just asking him about uh, life and seeing how he's going. And I said, hey, You started school, how's school? And uh, his name's Jaden. And he goes, Yeah, it's good. I go, Do you, do you like it? And he goes, He's starting big school. And he goes, um, And he goes, Oh, yeah, but, but, um, I get nervous. And I said, it's good to be nervous, man. I said, that means that you're growing. You're doing something new. And well, you're you doing care. something you know, you're doing something new. And whenever you do something new, it you, you you know, it is a normal it's normal to feel that type of feeling. But that means you're growing. It means you're you're learning something new. And actually that's like a lesson to like, you know, that's a really uh, simple, simple kind of idea and concept and lesson that I, I use to kind of I hope I hope teach Jaden something. But really that is the same. I mean, we, we could kind of take that lesson and be like, okay, well, yes, I am feeling a little bit scared. I am feeling a bit nervous. Perhaps it is because this is new, but I feel that because I'm growing. Exciting. I'm doing something that's going to make me stronger. Um, uh, I, rep- I actually said this in, uh, in a recent podcast, but uh, John Simons has a quote, which is, uh, every, uh, every gift is wrapped in a problem. Yep. I love that. I think that's so cool, don't you? But it's a different perspective. When you see... Um Michael Jordan in the in the documentary of the Last Dance. You, every negative you'll find a positive, but if you have that attitude, that mindset that you're going to grow. So for me, I, um, if things are uncertain, and I've got a quote on my desk: uh, "Life get, doesn't get better by chance; gets better by change." By Jim Rohn. I've got a couple quotes. That's one of them. So what'd you say? Life doesn't get better, get better by, by chance; chance it, it gets better, better by change. change. Now, change is uncertainty. Change is I don't know what's ahead of me. Change is am I going to be able to do this? But that's the exciting part. If you can say relentlessly without a shadow of a doubt, you're going to back yourself and show up, you're going to conquer that challenge. It might not be day one, day two, day five, day 10, but you will. And that means you're going to be able to go up levels, whether that be in business, whether that be in sport. And for me, um, and without sounding bad, because my wife probably thinks I'm crazy, I'm addicted to, to the level. People go, what do you want? I said, I just want to keep getting better. I just want to keep seeing the ability that I can go. Two reasons. Number one, I'm intrigued to learn more and get to that next stage. But number two, as a business owner with many thousands of clients, it's my my job to upskill myself, to get better, to take my game to the next level because my clients, they deserve that. When they sign up with Reventon and they speak with me or any of my team, they 100% deserve the best version of me. They deserve that I'm going to upskill myself. They deserve that I'm up to date with the best markets, conditions, the best products, so for me, upskilling is a part of all my executive and all my whole team. I actually financially reward them to upskill. I encourage it. I bring speakers into our office. I do it and a, so many coaching I know sessions. You, you spend a lot of money on, on, on upskilling team. I, I've noticed that. But but I, I, I really like that idea too because like if I was related to, to Cub and myself, 
one thing members always say, particularly the members that have been around since the beginning, they say they love to see how uh, I've improved and they always say matured. So obviously I was a bit of a child at the start, but they always say it's amazing to see how, you know, what you've cut, what you've turned into and what you've become. It's almost like they like to see they're part of a company. They know it's getting better because they can also see the owners getting Finding a leader that's better. great. Sorry to interrupt, but when I first met you, I remember how young you were and to have that maturity levels to get into a business is remarkable. But secondly, you've, you've grown through leaps and bounds because you want to, but to be that young and now you're only 29. And as we had the discussion last night, I hope you don't mind me sharing. We both look a lot older than we are. Yeah. We were at dinner. The other two people looked a lot younger. We looked older. Yeah. Maybe we're more we were mature, but I don't think so. We were having dinner with, um, um, with Rosetta at that restaurant, Rosetta, which yeah, I've yeah. never been to. It's a beautiful restaurant, but we had dinner with two other members with Adrian Hondros, who's the CEO of Porter Davis, one of the uh, country's largest home builders. And actually he's got an, a podcast episode to go check it out. That's a brilliant episode on leadership Fantastic. and Nick Riley, um, who's a great friend of mine at Cub, one of the founding members here in Melbourne and owns a company called Innovate. His podcast actually came out not too long ago as well. So it's like a meeting of the podcast. It's not wise. good though, because they both looked a lot younger. So we can agree on that. Yeah, well, they did. So I, me and I'd Daniel were talking about, about our age and I go, we yeah. look a lot older, but they both look great. Yeah, my, my, my family has great genetics. I don't know what's going on with me. My, my mum looks skips like a generation. 30, Who knows? Yeah, I don't know what's happening. But anyway, um, um, uh, where, where are we? we uh, I wanted to talk about, uh, yeah, they, so you're upscaling as an owner. And, and because when you upscale as an owner, they know that the company's getting better. So of course. I think it's kind of cool to show clients that you yourself are getting better, improving, learning. You're, you're getting the team to improve because the clients are then, wow, okay, I'm part of a company that's going to get even better. I'm already happy. I think it's a non-negotiable. If you're going to ask me a few non-negotiables in business, a team that's open-minded, that never says this is how we've always done it, that they can't look for enhancements and improvements and upskilling, I think it's 100% a non-negotiable, especially to a, a, to a leader or an owner and an executive team. They should constantly be upskilling because if you're not growing, you're dying, well, the, you're not the, evolving. Well, the business doesn't get better because the business is literally just a combination of the humans in, the, in it, the resource, their yeah. skills and their dedication to the, to the job. If the people themselves don't get better, the company can't get better. It's a, it literally is the people. If the people, I always say to the team, if we upgrade, Cub gets better. Uh, Cub upgrades. Of course. And, and so you started the company from zero. Yeah, it was no start. I wish it was zero. Um, I started it from zero and I had a debt of 348000 Oh, okay. But there was nothing <laughs> I there. wish it was zero. And so how big is the team now? Well, we're close to 65 now and we're about to put a few more. So we'll be close to 70 across all platforms and services. Mm-hmm. Um, and... So it's been 16 years. Mm-hmm. Um, what, so ex- maybe describe to me, what, first of all, what were the most difficult years? Which were the most difficult five of the, of the, of the um, There was a few or instances. I had a, lot of, I had a lot of hits in the business due to things that I could have done a lot more effective. But when I first started the business at the age of 25, I had a debt of 348,000. No assets, no car, not to move back into my parents' house. So I went from a position of owning eight properties, earning three hundred fifty dollars to $400,000 a year as a, a sales uh, professional, selling real estate, something I was very passionate about, something I loved. The company I worked for went into receivership. They owed me $780,000. Um, I was young. I was immature. I had my first child. I have four kids now. He's, a, he's just turned 18, funny enough. So uh, my, my son, Alec. Um, all of that happened. I lost my assets. My son became deaf as well, almost lost him. So... And I was uh, going through my first uh, split. I've been engaged three times, so that was the first mm-hmm. one. 
So um, Are you did you marry the third? Of course. Okay. So well, third time and I've lucky. got three kids. Yep. I yep. was uh, <laughs> I have found the great one and finally got married. There you go. So um, I moved back into my parents and I uh, lost it all. Started again. Had a one eight hundred number because I thought it made my company look bigger. I purchased ten leads. I borrowed some more money. I purchased ten leads. I sold two properties. I uh, repeated that process over and over again. My goal was very singular to get out of debt and help Australians retire financially secure because even though I over leveraged, I knew how to create a process, a formula, which since then is called the Reventon formula. And we show our clients how to do that as well. And I've also written a book which actually outlines the Reventon formula. It's called Your Path to Wealth Brick by Brick. But in the first few years, I was just paying debt and helping as many clients as possible. In 2008 is when I scaled the business. I had an investor. And so at, at that point, it was just you? Yeah, it was just me. And a, all I was was facilitating services. I was an in-home consultant. Mm -hmm. I introduced him to a property runner and a finance consultant. Mm -hmm. So I knew a model. And was that the first year or two years? First about two, two and a half, okay. probably two to two and a half years. So first two and a half years, it was you just making deals happen yourself. Yep. And um, I, I was very hands-on. And for me, I was very, as I said to you, I just wanted to get out of debt, make sure that I, because I was considering going bankrupt at the time. And I had a chat with my sister and she goes, you, you won't do that. You, you never quit or take the easy option. And it was only a small moment of weakness and I never would because I also wanted to, sh to set an example for my son to, to show him that you don't quit when the chips are down is when you show up. Having said that, I was 25. Mentally, I wasn't in the best position, but it was a very short. So did I think of quitting? Yeah. And my mindset never allows me to do that. But uh, one small second and then my sister-in-law goes, there is no way you'll ever do that because you don't pick the easy route. And that's, that's, that, that actually turned everything back on in my mind. And after I got an investor in 2008, um, I just scaled my business. I went up to this investor and I told him I have a business. I've got a, quite a lot of stuff. I can sell a lot of real estate for you. It was just me at the time. I said, I'm going to purchase leads. I'm going to create this and this for you. And it's going to start in about three months because that's how long it takes to start. I was building my team within that three months period. I was growing. And yeah, he, he allowed me to scale. And his name was uh, Mick Irwin from Pivotal Homes in uh, in Queensland. And I remember the facts came through this how long ago it was. 3.23 on the 12th of the 9th, 2008, agreeing to give me $250,000 up front, 125 check one, 125 check two. And that's how I scaled my business. And um, and why did he invest in you? What, what did he From see? the first meeting, this was the weird thing. He shook my hand and gave me 125 grand check. And I always thought, wow, that was easy. But he vetted me. He knew the companies I worked for before. He knew that I ran a lot of successful sales teams and he backed me. So I worked with him for two, three years. And while the, while I was working with him, um, you mentioned the hardest part of the business and I mentioned what happened. I had another business partner. He took a lot of money up front and he went to China, left me there with a bundle of debt. So here I am, uh, year six or seven, doing well, starting to kick goals, Owe a ton of money to four builders, two of them of which I've never met. Um, he's disappeared. Wait, which money did he take? The company's money took or up the investment money? Took up front money to market and then we, we committed to sell X amount of sales. Now, he, he met four developers, two of them I never met because he never wanted me to meet. Sorry, he took money from the developers to use for marketing. As marketing fee. Yeah, so okay. it was like an advance of yes. advance. So you're selling a developer's site. Yeah. Develop, he said, hey, developer, give me 100 grand. I'm going to use this for marketing. I'm going to create 10 sales and give me the balance when you get the yeah. sales. Okay, and then took the 100 grand and just ran. No, we worked for a couple of years and towards the end he did that. Oh, okay. So this happened. So at the end of the day, he left. I had 43 properties that I had to settle 
with no commissions. I had to pay all my staff or his staff because I thought it was the right thing to do. That almost uh, crippled me again. But what I did learn through starting my business and through that was how to become resilient, how to survive. So when COVID came, I just thought, let's go again. And what year was that? 2000, uh, probably 2012, 2013. So you experienced a, a financial crisis for the business uh, in a sense – uh, that was my nice GFC. While, yeah, while you're still quite, while you're still, you're, while you're still young, because when the actual GFC was on, you were still small enough to that there was no overheads. And, oh, I, and, and I was back home with my mother. Yeah, I never had any debts, yeah. so I, I could start that because everyone was telling me, um, "Don't start your business now. It's not the right time." That's and the my, best time to start. That's exactly yeah. my point. I said, "Now's the hundred. The, the strong businesses form through hardship or grow through hardship, and I want it to be a business that stands the test of time." Amazing. And so what was your lesson then in terms of that, that horrible experience, your business partner kind Do of? Do better deals. Um, be very, very clear with your expectation. Put everything on paper. What Cross your T's, dot your I's. Better deals mean have a very clear understanding of everything. Be very transparent with your transactions, with your partners, your developers, your colleagues, your team. So for me, I have a very open communication. I make sure that everything's in writing. And if anything was to go wrong with a deal, even in that deal, I allowed myself to be in that position. It wasn't his fault. It was my fault. I should have been smarter, but it was something I had to learn growing up as a business owner. But see, that's the mindset that I was talking about. That's ownership. Basically, you're saying it's my fault. And that's how I love, I love to take everything. Something went wrong, even though it had nothing to do with me. It does. Everything has something to do with me. That's my fault. What could I have better. done better? I could have chosen a Correct. better partner. I could have chosen this. I could have. Yep. Yeah, we could have trained people better. We could have had processes better that ensured that things were written down and signed. hundred percent. It's always your fault as a business owner, and I, and I think that people need to look at it like that because that's the only way. And, you can and move it's a forward. but it's also a blessing because it gives you unlimited reasons to get better. He did day. me a big favor, and I'll tell you why. You don't know what you don't know, but. Every situation, I've developed a concept called energy forward. And this is what I say, and I say it to my team as well. It's called energy forward. Energy forward. Um, If something goes wrong, and this is a very big example of something going wrong, I say to myself, what have you learned from this experience? What would you do different next time? I don't want to focus on what went wrong and how did it go wrong. I want to focus on the enhancements and moving forward and becoming a better version of me, my company, my Mm. team, my clients. So that's kind of like that quote I said from John Simons. Every gift is wrapped in a problem. It's yeah. basically like you solve that problem, boom, you have a gift. You're, you're, you've got, you, you know something. something and you're an enhanced version you. of yourself for your business. So for me, in my team, I say energy forward. And I ask those two questions always. What have you learned from this experience? What would you do different next time? And if you can go in with that mindset and always say, you know what? Can't control that, but I can control this. You're going to be a better business owner. So he taught me one of the biggest lessons of my business life and business career. And... Um, there's no bitterness, no animosity because he gave I'm happy. You lessons. Yeah, he yeah. and you. for me, I can take it as go, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. Why did he do that? I shouldn't have trusted him or what could I have done? Now for me, I was only going to look at it the latter. It was my fault. I shouldn't have been in that position. I should have learned from this. And that's why having a business coach or a mentor is so important because they might guide you through these things. Now I've learned the hard way and I've still got business coaches and mentors and sometimes fact that I'm obviously stubborn as well. Sometimes I do learn the hard work. It's the only way I'm going to learn. But having someone coach you or talk to you is going to expedite that process. It's going to make it much easier and in some cases much more financially viable. And and so what's the difference to, to you to a, from a coach to a mentor? Well, okay. A coach is um, someone who helps you and keeps you accountable. And in my mind, a coach is someone you pay. A 
mentor is someone like that will give you advice that will help you. And like I have both. So I have someone that I pay a lot mm -hmm. of money to every mm -hmm. time I speak to. And I have a lot of one that's just a mentor. Hey, yeah. what do you think about this idea, Daniel? What would you do here? I'm thinking about doing this. And usually, even if sometimes my thought process along the lines is theirs, it gives you a lot more confidence and assurity going forward, knowing that, hey, this person's thinking the same way, who I respect immensely, who's been there, done that. And what I always say when it comes to coaches and mentors, find the right person. Because I say the cheapest advice usually is the most expensive because it's someone that doesn't know what they're doing, they're uneducated or they don't, haven't solved that problem before. You can't tell me how to solve a Rubik's Cube if you've never picked one up, can you? But if you do it all day and you're an expert, you can tell me what to do. So that's the mindset when I look for a coach, someone that's actually done it. Yeah, I've, yeah exactly. Because I, I'm nev I've never had a business coach in the sense, and, and I've never been a fan of, of that type mentors, of but Mentors, I have plenty of mentors. I know some of them. I have plenty of mentors. I've, got, I've probably got more mentors than any person in this country. You know, I've got an entire club of mentors plus personal mentors plus – What yeah. do you see the difference with a coach and a mentor? Because that's an intriguing question. Well, for me, typically, a coach is someone whose business is designed to make money, I guess, coaching you in business. Yep. But a mentor is someone who's actually done business and is sharing – Is mentors often give back. Do they charge? No, they okay. give back. They're so giving back to – it's like I'm a mentor. Let's say I'm an older guy or, or, or woman – and I've achieved great success. Mentors often feel like a need to, I want to give back to my community, to the entrepreneurial community, to the next generation of me. And I want to share my knowledge and lessons with them. It's almost, a, it's a selfless Can act. Can I make one clear distinction? And you know that they've actually, they've, they've accumulated wealth. They've been successful. They're, they're, they're wealthy people. Can I make one clear distinction? I agree hundred percent with what you're saying. However, when I go to a coach, it is 100% paramount that they've succeeded in the business and walked the path that I want to walk. So you know these coaches out there that are coaching and they're making most of their income from coaching? Mm. I'm not a massive fan of that and I hope I don't offend anyone. I want someone no, that succeeded no. in the field and that's charging for that information. Not someone that, hey, I make a million dollars a year, 999 of that's coming from coaching. Really? Yeah, so well, I, I agree. And I, I don't want to put down coaching because I know there's a lot of members who, who have great coaches and, and they love that. Um, it, it's just, I'm, all I'm saying has never been for me. But what, yeah, it sounds like you have two different types of mentors. Mentors uh, who are willing to give their knowledge away for free and mentors who make you pay for it. Yeah, but, <laughs> but either way, it's worth it. <laughs> look, for me, I see it, I see it as a great investment. Because the best I investment you're ever going to make in yourself is, is you win yourself. So I spend hundreds of thousands each year on coaching, mentors, seminars, doing courses, CDs, books, hundreds of thousands. People think I'm crazy. But let me tell you, it's the best time that I spend every day, every week, every month. It's the only time my ADHD doesn't kick in and I'm actually focused is when I'm learning something and someone's sitting me down and spending time within problem solving with me. It's the only time I can remain focused. My mind can actually not jump from – Thing to think. And so uh, the toughest time you had was around 2012. From so I just want to map out your business's life. So uh, from 2005 to about 2007 or eight, you're basically one man, uh, one, one man, man guy, show, just, two man show, just, building. Yeah, yeah, just small building thing, yep. building clients, making a bit of money for yourselves, paying off from debt. 2008 to 2012, you started growing a bit because you had your partner. I had five offices. I was national. Oh, you got real big quick. Well, I wouldn't say real big. Everyone's got different definitions, but I, I had five, I had an office in the Gold Coast, Brisbane, Bundaberg, Sydney, Bundy, Sydney, and Melbourne. So when when were the big scaling years? 
Um, when, I, when I started getting that money, I started kicking goals pretty quick. Oh, when you got the investment. When I got the investment, I started kicking goals pretty quick. And the funny thing about this investment was, and it always interested me, that's a point I wanted to share, I thought, what if this guy pulls the investment? So I went and approached two developers and I said to them, this is planning ahead and this is why I told you about the pandemic I prepared before. I went up to two developers in Brisbane, hey, I've got this great program. It costs this much per month. Would you be interested in investing in me and I'll sell, sell all these properties for them? Yeah, yeah. We'll give you the money now. I go, no, no, I'm not ready for that. But if I needed you, would you be there? And they go, yeah. So when this guy pulled the pin, I already had two other backup investors ready to go. Mm -hmm. So when he said no to me, I went up to my two other developers and I started getting funding from them. And yep. the funny thing was, and one more thing I wanted to share, 10 years, <laughs> sorry, um, 10 years went on and I wanted to go back to Mick and say thank you. So I, used to, I read his document every day. The 43 properties I had to settle, I read every day. My first office I look at every day and I look at this document the facts that came through. And I wanted to go back in 10 years and say thank you. So on the 28th, not the 12th, of the 9th, 2018, I flew up to Brisbane again and I called up his PA and I said, listen, this is going to sound really weird. My name's Chris Christoffi. I want a meeting with Mick for 15 Don't tell him I'm coming. 15 minutes, please. It's important. This is why I'm coming. Please don't tell him it's me. What does he like to drink? She goes, rum. I go, okay. So I bought the two best bottles of rum I could find. I got a Reventon bottle of wine, my new book, and I flew up on the 28th. He looked at me and I go, how are you, Mick? He goes, good. He goes, what are you doing back, Chris? I haven't worked with him for eight years at this point. I wanted to say thank you for backing me, for investing in me, and this is what I've built. And I look at your paper every day and it means the world to me and I haven't forgotten what you've done. And I have the photo of me going back to his office. I have a document that I wrote to say thank you. And I even printed out the facts and put it in a Reventon envelope and gave it to him. I work with him again now, by the way, but the moral of the story is I never forgot what he did for me. He was the original investor. Yes, he was. Okay. Yeah. You can't, I mean, that's a, he's the guy that gave you your start really. He's like, the guy that believed in me and backed me. And, um, and I say to everyone, it's important to remember that. And I used to read it every morning and I go in 10 year mark, I'm going to go back and say, this is what I've done. Thank you for believing in me. And I, and I know the guy and I, he has an immense respect for me, not as much as I have for him, I don't think, but because I did that, he remembers it. And one thing you do really uh, cool as well is that you have your family fully involved in the business. You've got uh, your wonderful wife, Billy. Yep, my wife. She, yep. she, she works in the business, doesn't she? She works in the business. She was heavily involved in the finance side mm -hmm. until we started having kids. Mm -hmm. We had three kids and she took a little bit of a hiatus because she had to. Now she's back involved now. I'm really proud of she's developing some an amazing, amazing products and she's starting um, – I'm not going to hope I don't say it wrong. Women and wealth or women in wealth, which is seminars, educating women on financial independence, um, money products as well. So she's really, she works with her mum. Her mum's been my CFO for 12 years. I was going to say she had a, she had a, an, uh, an uh, I guess an idol to look up to as well in, in, in her mother, who's your CFO. She's my CFO, extremely tough woman, great, great uh, ally to have in, in, in our business. She's helped me immensely. Well, you know she's going to be looking after that money too. It's, let me, let, it's not leaving. <laughs> I don't say this often, but when she came across, she was earning five times, literally five times. She came and worked with me as my receptionist, my appointment coordinator, my PA, everything, payroll. I've, uh, this is your, your mother-in-law. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not going to say uh, what she was on, but she was on 5X lower and mm -hmm. she came to help me. And now I've built her up according. And that when the day comes that something amazing happens, I'll always go back and look after because she's helped the business a lot. Is she hard to work with and is it tough? Oh my God, it's tough. <laughs> Would I change it? Absolutely not. 
because I need people like that around me because they also um, sometimes keep me in check as well. I agree, and, and they'll be honest to you. And, and what's your opinion on, on as a business owner, uh, having people around you that you trust? Very tough. And Anthony Robbins talks a lot about this. When you start a business, the first thing people do is they employ friends and family. And the reason they do that is a comfort zone because how you live with someone is not how you work with someone. I prefer to develop a friendship in a business than bring a friend in a business. Now I've worked with brother-in-laws, best friends of 30 years. One of my business partners is a friend of almost 30 years. So I've had seven, eight brothers, uh, brother-in-laws, mother-in-laws, cousins work within the business, it's extremely tough. Mm. And I'm not going to lie to you. It's hard. But yes, you do trust them. It can work, but you just need a very open communication of expectations with each other. And when I, I remember the first conversation I had with my mother-in-law, and I said to her, listen, I'll make you a deal. She goes, what? We'll work together on one condition. Nine to five, we work together. You don't get offended. If we have a big argument, because we're probably going to have lots of them, when it comes to five, six, seven o'clock, we knock off, you treat me like your son-in-law. No different, no better, no worse. As long as you can do that, let's work together. But during hours, you're probably going to say certain things about me, use certain curse words about me. That's fine. But when, when the bell rings and it's over, we go back to normal. Mm-hmm. And look, it's worked 99% of the times. <laughs> yeah, I, I but think I had that clear communication. Success. No, it has. But I'm saying in terms of communication, it's not easy. Imagine having a full-on day with your mother-in-law then you got to go to her house for dinner. <laughs> hey, I'm back. <laughs> oh, not you again. So, but yeah, you know, I'm I'm very happy with it with with my journey, and I just think you just need to be open with your communication. It's good to have people around you that you trust, but it's also good to him. It's not good to just employ family and friends or not to employ family and friends. I like to have take an open minded approach. It works sometimes. It doesn't. And and uh, you've got the reason I was making you sound so extreme at the start, but then I never brought up why. And I'll briefly mention, you obviously were a great kickboxer. You're a great snooker player. You were a champion snooker player, was it? You Or am I making this up? Or no, you, no, I was okay. okay. I was, I, I was, um, <laughs> I was, I was like, ranked. he's not smiling. He's not well, no, no, <laughs> look, I don't. Uh, I was ranked um, third in Victoria. So I have a snooker room called the Remington Snooker Academy. I represented Victoria in under-18s and under-21s five years in a row. And the kid I represented Victoria with, I'm so proud to say, is the number two player in the world, the best Australian in the history of our sport. Outside the non-UK, he's won uh, 19 ranking events, five majors. Is he a friend of yours? One of my closest friends. What's his name? Give me Neil, a shout out. Neil Robinson. What a if anyone looks up, he's a uh, look him up. He's, he's a, and to boot, he's the most humble, giving person. He's such a good kid. I flew over in 2015, watched him play in the Masters. He lives in Cambridge now, and just all round legend of a guy. Um, and, and so you, you're also a kickboxer, but you also wake up super early. What's your morning schedule? What's, what's your day schedule? I used like? to wake up super early. Now I, I had seven, the, the kickboxing, I had seven fights. My brother's a Commonwealth two-time Australian champion. So I used to hang around the best players in the country with snooker and the best fighters in the country, which is why I always believe you hang around with you champions, joined you become Cup, one. Because you're hanging around the best entrepreneurs well, you've in the country. Uh, that's <laughs> that is 100% the reason. You hang around with champions, you become one. You lay down with dogs, you get fleas. So my super, my, my routine was I used to get up as 2.45, hit the office at 3, and I did that for a couple of years. I burnt out pretty quick. Now I'll get up between 4 to 6. I'll meditate. I started transcendental meditation, which is something that really calms my mind. And it actually, I get some great ideas doing that as well. So it's, I love that. I'll take my kids to school two times a week, sometimes three if possible. So I go Did to the office. Did you used to do that or is that a new thing? Kids school? Yeah. No, I, I wanted to take the kids to school between two to three times because there's 10 pickup drop-offs. 
or do at least two or three. Mm. So I only walk, I live three minutes from office, so I walk there. So if I was to go there at three or four, I walk back at seven, I'll get a coffee for me and my wife, we'll sit down, whatever we'll do. She's Every time I help her though, she always wants a little bit more, a little bit more. So now I'm cutting fruit you as well now. <laughs> now. Now I did some you toast in the morning. I never did toast before. Today's the first day I did toast as well. So I'm thinking, I don't know what else I'm going to keep doing. So I might have to cut that down a bit. But now on a serious note, I drop the kids off at school two days a week. I try to pick them up if, I, if I'm not interstate or traveling. And I like to not keep everything resumented. So I don't, I don't have an exact routine. I want to wake up early than I want to wake up later because I want my mind to be um, thinking different things. Mm -hmm. But waking up in the morning, what I do do is that when I'm walking to work, and I do this all the time, I only think of things that make me grateful, put me in the right frame of mind. So I always think about my kids, my health, my business, my team, my clients. And I always visualize my goals. So I look at my goals every morning and I actually visualize what, where, they, where I need to be and what I need to do to get there. So when you're getting to that moment, I think you're a lot more prepared because you've seen it. How do you set your goals? Do you set them quarterly, annually? Do you have long-term plans, short-term plans? How, how, what's your process? I, in do, terms of I, I do all the above. What I mean by that is I look at, I look at my business goals individually, each as a business. I look at my personal goals, like be a better husband, better father, spend more time doing this, give more to charity. So I measure everything. So I'm, I'm like an Excel table Nazi. But do, you do you have a system of, of, uh, of tracking them as well? Of so course. Like I said, I'm, what gets measured gets done. I measure everything. So there's nothing you can tell me. Even when I was practicing snooker, I'll write down how many hours, who I practice with, what the frames, what are the breaks. If I'm at work, I'll say, I'd write down everything because I want to actually track it because if you measure it, you can get better at it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I measure every single thing. I've got an Excel table on everything you can imagine that I do, I'll have an Excel table or a workbook on it. Yeah, one thing we do at Cub is that we'll, we, we will like name, so we'll do, we do five years plans, five year plans. We name each year. So each year has like a specific name. So it's kind of like the biggest part of the year. So everyone remembers the, the Give five me an example because that intrigues me. What do you mean? Well, so for example, this year is the year of perfection. And we're literally doing everything in terms of perfection. We're perfect upgrading the brand, the branding. We're perfecting the wow. business model. We're opening the perfect club in the Sydney CBD. We're uh, perfecting the team because we have to grow it and build it out. Who for picks expansion. these words or values? You do it as a team. So no, perfection's I, one. No, I've just, and the next year's is expansion. So everyone knows next year's expansion year. Wow, that's the year that's after so is brandy. We're spending a fortune on branding. The year after and, and tech. And I love all we that. Got, we got all these. Then the final year was the first international club. So we've got a one word for each year, and then um, wow. we uh, we work, so at the, when we get to that year. So for example, this year we know, and I'll describe, and I'll describe it basically in, regularly in meetings. I'll describe what it will look like. So what we will look like and be like. Why do you do that? Because everyone visualizes it. And you can feel it and you can be there. Yeah, you can be, you everyone, can conceptualize when people, it. When people understand that's where we're going to be, it just helps a lot. And then, and then from the, from that, you know, you've got your goals for that year. So this is where we want to be at the end of the year. And then you assign, I don't know, three to four big things you need done in Some each of the four quarters, events. in each of the quarters. And then as long as you knock those things over, you know that, and your KPIs are being hit. That's obviously got to happen the whole way through. But as long as you knock the, the three big uh, things over, the, I guess the three big um, uh, goals over, and by achieving those goals in each quarter, you end up where you're describing the end of the year. Then, you, I mean, more often than not, you're going to hit it. The only time you're not going to hit it 
is if you can't fulfill those goals because your team's not reaching or you as a company are not reaching the intended KPI. So your revenues may prevent Can I you. share one tip there? First of all, I love that because it's simple. One word, it's, uh, I always use the principle, keep it simple, stupid. It's very easy. It's not confusing. So people can buy into that. But I always use every target. I use an MTO, which my coach taught me. Minimum, target outrageous. Now, what, what happens is when you measure these things, what you'll find is 70% of the times you'll hit your, your target, which is the minimum, which is your KPI, sorry, uh, your target, which is in your outrageous, you might hit 20% of the time just because you put those numbers out there. So outrageous is something to say, well, I really smashed it out of the park. And by measuring three measuring sticks, by I use all my numbers as an MTO for my company. So your KPIs, there'll be an MTO, minimum yeah, we, target we, outrageous. We use the same thing. So for example... Our sales, for example, our new member, for the, the I guess you'd call it your MTO for for us, for new members. Our outrageous is 900 new members this year. Our target is 720 new members I this year. That, yeah. And then the, 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 the minimum is, I don't need to say, but yeah, there's but a minimum, which it. is normally kept for the companies. Of course, but the, that's fantastic. The company's minimum. So, so we, yeah, we use that. And I think other people should use that too. It's like, this is the goal. Hit that middle one. Do not drop under the bottom one. Then we're going to be upset. And if you hit the top one, actually, Team Cubs all go we're to Vegas. Celebrating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was but the, that but was but the but goal. It's actually, Vegas. When you when you write something down, when it, COVID's increases, over. it increases your likelihood of hitting it. And by doing all these little things, I always say, and I've had this conversation with my son. I said to him, if you take one small step every day towards your goals, you write them down. You look at them in the morning. You look at them at night, and take one small action item because the smallest action is more powerful than the greatest thought. As long as you do those things, I categorically guarantee you, you're going to hit your targets you're moving forward. Yeah, and it has to be for the whole company. It can't just be like for the sales team because it's got to be everyone's got to enjoy and everyone's got to be involved in it and, and enjoy it. So it needs to be two, like we, we base our success on basically two things, new members and renewals, right? Renewals are the most important because that's the existing members staying. It basically means that they're enjoying it. And so we'll have the same exact um, targets like the, the MTO you called it for, as we do for new sales. We'll have the same concept in our renewals. And that way, if as a company, we're all looking, doesn't matter which team you're on, the, the uh, I guess the new, the sales team or the uh, engagements team, we call it. Yep. Um, and the whole, everyone's looking at each other's results too, because everyone's working together for those results so that we can all go to Vegas. <laughs> but the thing is what you're creating is competition without opposition. So I do that within all my businesses as well. So I said to them, let's push each other. But we're going to create competition without opposition. We're on the same team. So one of our core values at Reventon is one team. But guess what? Let's push each other. So now with my, with um, we have a funny little thing going. Well, now that women and wealth are about to launch, I go let's 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 go head to head. Now what we're doing is we're competing all within our space. But it's actually a fun, energetic competition that we can keep pushing forward. And we're going to have to wrap up soon. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Fire. What is your What's one book that you think is a must-read for for any entrepreneur? Oof, look, uh, I, I saw you ask me that question. It's such a hard question to answer. Um, if you're starting in your career, I think Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill is a good benchmark to start. If you're advanced and you're an advanced or intermediate entrepreneur, Principles by Ray Dalio, I think you can't go past. I like Principles too. And one that I think has to be part of your arsenal is Radical Candor by Kim Scott because it teaches you to have hard conversations. What's that quote I've got to get? Radical there? Candor by Kim Scott. It's an amazing book and it teaches you how to have difficult conversations and how to be transparent. Like I'm a, I'm not going to say an avid reader. I listen to books and I read a lot of books because yeah, because I'm dyslexic. So I have to listen to them and read them because 
allows me to oh, do Oh, you listen and read at the same time. I do that because what that does is I can go through a book a week and I want someone to read the book while I'm looking at the at the words because you're looking visually and you're and you're reading. Is that so because you you're can, dyslexic? It's part of the reason, and I wanted to how how and, and you have ADD. Yeah, and because how can I be more efficient? Yeah. And not only that, if you're visually looking at something, it sticks in your mind. But yeah. if you're also listening to it, you're getting two forms of yeah, way you can absorb it. Yeah, it's quicker. Two different. It's senses. more efficient. And then I take notes with my on the right hand side because a lot of the words I don't understand, I'll stop. I'll put it through Google. I'll use it through a thesaurus and I go, how can I use this book? That's cool. I'm going to try anyway, it. That's what I do. And I promise you, you won't go back. As a fellow dog. ADD and dyslexic person, I'm going to, uh, I reckon that might be a, a nice little trick for me I too. did six books in four weeks using this method, but yep, go wow. on. Um, and finally, what would your biggest lesson in business be? What, what's the, what's the most important thing that you could share with other, uh, other owners? Um, reflection, not deflection. Don't quit. Keep moving forward. So always focus on the look at yourself. How can you get better? So for me, as long as you don't quit and you keep moving forward and you've got a good mindset, you're always going to be okay. And one thing I always say to my team, if you're going to tackle a challenge regardless, put a smile on your face. A, it makes you feel better, releases endorphins. And if you're going to have to tackle something, why not do it with a smile? Mm. So no matter how hard it is, when my team comes in challenge, I said, stop, smile. Now tell me what's wrong. Mm. And what that does is it creates a different mindset, makes you happier. And also, you're going to deal with it anyway. Why not smile? Awesome. Uh, Chris, thanks so much. Um, this is your, what, third or you've got, gone into your third or fourth year of membership here at Cub. You've, yeah, something like you've, that. You've made the club a better place. It's a better club because you're in it. So thank you so much. And obviously, you're a great friend of mine now too. So I'm very grateful for that. And I'm sure the listeners are very grateful to have listened to some of your incredible – I know it's just a small – piece of your incredible knowledge you've shared today so thank you very much uh, guys if you want to uh, reach out to chris on linkedin or find his uh, more of his book recommendations quotes or uh, find his company and website or reach out go to cub.club forward slash podcast and you'll find him there chris christoffi uh, chris what's your podcast called as well my po- before i mention that thank you very much daniel you've, i've learned a lot through being at cub i've met some great members and i've recommended so many people here because i've learned so much and Thank you. You're a great friend as well and your team's amazing. Um, my podcast is called Relentless Life on Your Terms. Uh, my book is Your Path to Wealth Brick by Brick. 100% of the proceeds go towards charity, um, which is a foundation where are building a house and selling it and donating it to Vinnie St. Paul's to help the homeless. And it's a great book. It's got all my knowledge and how we've done 3,000 deals. And if you want to get into real estate, it's a great book to read also well, and without being that, biased. And they can get that on Amazon. <laughs> You can get it on Amazon. Um, I can forward the link. It's uh, there's there's also Audible as well, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's, it's it's an Amazon bestseller in three categories. Well, we'll put that book on our, on the website as well. So if you go to cub.club forward slash podcast, that book will be there with a link to purchase it on Amazon. Uh, and finally, sorry, you do yes. also get involved in uh, a fair bit of charities. Do you have a charity you want to shout out at the moment or no? Yes, Are I you do. Doing the, you do. I, I okay. started I started uh, brick by brick, um, which is uh, your it's uh, a fundraising project. We bought a block of land in Mount Denise. We're paying it off in full. We're building a house. We're paying it off in full and donating the full house. It's actually purchased under Vinnie St. Paul's. So our goal is to buy, uh, build a house for five fifty, sell it for seven hundred. There's no capital gains taxes for charity. So this is one hundred percent with Vinnie St. Paul's. So if you buy the book, you're educating yourself. You're also helping charity, a much littered homeless situation. And I am doing the Vinnie CEO for the fourth year this year, raising a hundred thousand and donating dollar for dollar myself. So. Please get behind me. I'd really appreciate if you 
Get behind any CEO and you get behind Vinny St. Paul's for the Vinny Sleep Out. Thank you. Yeah, and look, that's a great example of exactly how business and business owners uh, uh, benefit the community and society. You're able to do these things because of the position you've put yourself in. No doubt. And that's the beautiful thing about being an entrepreneur. Peace. Hope you enjoyed the show.